If you've been following baseball lately, you know there's been a lot of rule changes to hopefully speed up the game, to draw young people's attention into the game. I mean, they're losing viewership. And of course, they never think it's because they've added an extra commercial in between innings or they set the game starting so late at night, especially like World Series games, that kids on the East Coast need to go to bed because they have school the next day. Now, not about that. It has to be the game itself. You can kind of tell I'm talking as a baseball traditionalist. Of all the major sports in the United States, one of the allures of baseball is tradition. And I'm sorry, you cannot convince me that the Boston Red Sox, the Boston Red Sox, should be wearing a yellow and blue jersey. Yeah, if you know what I'm, if you don't know what I'm talking about, type in Boston Red Sox yellow blue jersey. That should be anathema. They're named the they're the Red Sox. Where's the red? But you know Nike, who probably does the jerseys for the MLB, wants to sell new jerseys. So why not a yellow and blue jersey? Has nothing, no look of the traditional Red Sox jersey. Well. Today, on this episode of your Parent-Teacher Conference, I'm going to talk about a version of baseball that is being played that is radically different than what you know about. And not only am I going to talk about this, and not only am I, the traditionalist, okay with it, at the same time, it confirmed for me that what I'm trying to accomplish in the classroom is right. So today on this special edition of the Parent-Teacher Conference, the summer book discussion, we are going to talk about the book and the phenomena known as Banana Ball. Teachers, are your digital assignments getting lost in the black hole of a digital folder? Can I suggest a solution? FanSchool. FanSchool is a safe and social learning network where students own and share their learning. Think of FanSchool as a digital bulletin board for your students' work. Take a look. Go to fan.school today. That is fan.school. And imagine what your classroom space will look like on FanSchool. parent and full-time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. Hello, this is Coach Culling, your host, and welcome to your parent-teacher conference where we talk about issues and ideas that affect parents, teachers, a lot of times both, and for the sake of children. Today's episode might be more geared towards teachers because I am going to talk about how this book, Banana Ball, really has encouraged me. I needed some encouragement this summer. I've been very struggling. I struggled this whole year. What I've been telling people is this, the COVID years, where we were teaching hybrid, we had to change everything to digital. It was a lot of work. 
and I was tired at the end of each of the first two years back to school after we were shut down for COVID, and even that period of time where I was at home, when we were all home on the spring of 20, it was a lot of work for me, and I was exhausted. But I've come to realize this year where it's pretty much a normal year, back to normal, that in I've been teaching now, I'm going to start my 32nd year. I needed a challenge. Now, here I, here I was in my like 28th, 29th year of teaching, and even though it was exhausting, I enjoyed the challenge. And now I'm facing a lot of the same old, same old, and it's depressing. This book, Banana Ball by, by Jesse Cole, was inspirational for me. And I hope, even if you don't like baseball, you take a listen because this isn't base. This isn't your grandfather's. It's not even your great grandfather's baseball. Heck, it's not even your dad's baseball. Even your kid's baseball. This is very different. But Jesse Cole, the author, brings up a lot of things that that I can bring into the classroom, or a lot of motivation I can bring into the classroom. How I look at the classroom, and maybe you might bring the same things to your home or your place of business. So that's why I just encourage you to listen. Or even just to find out what am I talking about when I'm talking about banana ball. But first, as always, if you enjoy what you're listening to, I would really appreciate it if you share it out with friends. Share the link to this episode or any of the episodes in our archives. You can tell your friends to take a look for us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or Spotify at the Parent Teacher Conference Podcast. I'm the guy with the baseball hat. And you're probably saying right there, well, banana ball, baseball, baseball hat, all goes together. I get it. But tell them to take a listen to this episode if you like to correspond with me. I always enjoy that. I have several people who write in from time to time. Thank you for that, and thank you for listening. If you'd like to be one of those corresponders, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. P is in parent, T is in teacher, C is in conference, podcast 411, all one word, at gmail.com. Also, if you have a topic you would like me to address in a future episode, give me a suggestion. I'm, I'm game. But today we are going to talk about Banana Ball by Jesse Cole. I didn't actually read this book. This was an audible um, I downloaded it on Audible. I What I do is I wait for Audible to give me a package deal where they say, you know, come back to Audible and get three titles for one month. And I'll stay on for a couple months, get a couple, download a couple books, and then I'll cancel. And I'll wait about a year, not even a year. They Pretty quickly, they'll come back. They want your business. So they'll do the old three for one and I sign up again, stay around for a couple months and I get going. So I've been bicycling this summer. I usually listen to podcasts, but I also listen to some of these Audible books that I've downloaded. And I'm going to make a suggestion. Before we get into the book, let me just share my uh, my view of listening to books on tape or obviously on my smartphone. Is it reading or isn't it reading? I, I don't know. I enjoy it. I'm getting the information, but if you are going to listen to a downloaded book, I highly recommend choosing books where the author is the reader. Banana Ball, Jesse Cole, is the reader. And the reason is you hear his passion behind the words. He's going to tell the story 
of how he went from baseball player that dreams of making the major leagues to owner of this radically different minor league baseball team and a radically different approach to the game. And throughout the audiobook, you hear it dripping with the passion he has for what he's doing. And it's just, I find myself, it's more engaging. You know, it's one of the nice things about audiobooks. You hear, it's as if the author, it's not even as if, right? The author is reading you a bedtime story. You know, it's not your parents reading a book. It's the author of the book sitting there reading the book to you. I'm going to shout out two more titles where the author is the reader, and I loved the book. One is, if you're into baseball, is I'm Keith Hernandez by Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez reads it to you. Just, again, if you've ever listened to Keith Hernandez do a Mets broadcast, you sat, you, you, you're not in your bed and he's reading you a bedtime story. You're in the Mets broadcasting booth and he's reading you the story of his life. So... If you're in the baseball, I'm Keith Hernandez on audiobook is great because it's read by him. And the this one doesn't matter if you're in the baseball or not. It has nothing to do with baseball. If you've ever watched some of these viral videos, a couple of years ago, maybe like five or six years ago, there was a viral video going around called Christmas Jammies. And it was this husband and wife duo, and they're singing this song about their Christmas jammies and their kids, and they're all dressed up in Christmas jammies. And they've turned it into a career where the, the husband writes little song parodies, the wife does little skit comedy type things, and it's called the, the Holderness Family, Penn Holderness and Kim Holderness. And they wrote a book about marriage. And I this is the this is one of the my wife told me about this. She had heard it on some TV apps like a talk show, and somebody was talking about it. It's called Everybody Fights. The reason I suggest this is if you've ever watched one of their videos, you can see how well they get along. Um, Penn Holdenis says one of the greatest things. If your kid has ADHD, um, he's, he, is, he himself has ADHD, and he is an advocate for ADHD. And he often says, which I think is really neat, you know, some people see it as a challenge, you know, people to be focused. But what he says is, you know, my ADHD allows me to produce all these songs and all these videos because since I'm so hyper, I'm not focused, I keep going around, but it help, I can't stop. And it makes me go from one to the other, and I finally finish the other. And, you know, he has to channel it, obviously, to complete the task. But he also says, yes, there's a challenge to completing it, but there's also a benefit that allows me to spurs me on. Now, the reason I say get everybody fights by the um, Kim and Penn Holderness and that they read it is not only are they reading the book for you, they will interject. They actually add to the experience. You will actually receive more from listening to the audiobook than reading the book. Because they're not just giving you the inflection and the passion and the humor and the deep thought behind what's going into the words. They're interjecting personal thoughts and ideas as well. It's like the authors are annotating the book for you as you go along. It's At times it's funny. At times it's deep thinking. So again, if you're, if you're going to download Audible... And wait till they give you a deal. Like they usually will do a deal like three for one. 
Um, you know, for 16 bucks, you get three audio downloads. And I would suggest Everybody Fights by the Holdenist Family. But that's not the book I'm talking about today. I'm talking about Banana Ball by Jesse Cole. And in much the same way the Holdenist Family became known was through a viral video, so has Banana Ball. I was going through Facebook one day, and Facebook had those little video shorts, and sometimes they're TikToks, and some were just made for Facebook. And I was watching this video of a baseball game. The batter comes up to bat, and the whole team in the field, they're all wearing yellow uniforms, and they're all dancing. It's choreographed. I have never seen anything like this before. And I found out this was banana ball. These were the Savannah bananas. They go around the country. When I started reading about them and looking them up a little bit more, I'm like, I got to go see one of their games. And I found out they were playing both in, you know, I live in New Jersey. They're playing in Trenton and they're playing in Cooperstown. Now I go to Cooperstown at least once every summer, sometimes multiple times a year. I love Cooperstown. If you've never been to the Baseball Hall of Fame, I highly recommend it. If you're within a couple hours, I'm within three hours. And even if you're not into baseball, the town of Cooperstown is one of the most beautiful little towns you will ever visit. If you want to stay in the area, try to find, you know, like a Verbo place on the lake. This lake is huge. Just out, just a block or two away. It goes on for miles from the Hall of Fame. It's a block or two away. There's a farmer's museum, a lot about James Fenner Cooper who lived in the area. And if you can go for a great ribs place, Brooks in Oneonta off of Route 88. Awesome. Now, how do I get talk about Coop? Oh, because, because Savannah Bananas doing their 2023 World Tour. But they're sold out. I mean, the tickets sell out fast. When they announce the tickets in November, they're gone. Because they everybody wants to see them. So what is Banana Ball? So Jesse Cole, like I said earlier... He was a baseball player, played throughout college, got some minor league look, but he didn't go anywhere. He went into the business side of it, and slowly he was rising up to the ranks, and he actually met his wife. It's kind of a cool story. His wife, he tells the story that you know they're looking for promotions, way to get people into the seats at these low-level minor league games. His wife was doing the same thing for another team. And he was sharing some of the crazy things he was doing for promotions. And I guess her boss was at this convention where he was speaking about some of the ideas he had. And the boss went back to her and said, I met the guy you're going to marry. And they talk about how they got together. And they bought this team, the Savannah Bananas. Or their team was Savannah. He also talks about how they became the bananas. And he kept on saying how, you know, when he was a kid, baseball was fun. The play of the game is fun. I always, I've told that to my daughter the other night was swimming in a very, it, it was the battle of first for first place as the last swim meet of our summer swim um, season. Both teams, our team and this other team was were undefeated. In fact, the other team hasn't lost a dual meet in over a decade, like to nobody. And I got to be honest, we took them to, there's 55 meets. We were leading as late as the 50th, uh, I mean 50 events, 55 events. We were leading as late as the 50th event. 
and we had a chance to win going into the we finally after the 54th event it became impossible for us to win so we almost made it to the last event where it could have decided everything but i remember she was nervous and i was just telling her no i go this is the fun this is the fun of it is like doing it in competition here's the fun but like i said in the beginning baseball has become very much a business you know putting in that extra commercial trying to sell jerseys so you, you 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 know where baseball's tradition you always had a home and away jersey now you have multiple jerseys you're at different times why so people would want to buy those other jerseys so with all of this jesse cole starts looking and saying well how can i change the game to get people to come and one of the things he was doing in his promotions was teaching people how to dance when he was the other team so you know his having his players dance like in between innings to get the crowd going but it's more because a lot of minor league places do promotions so you're probably like ah, eh, who cares about that but then he started tinkering with the game one of the things is if you go to savannah bananas game it's only two hours long and they do little antics throughout the game he had a pitcher come in and pitch in stilts so you're thinking right there very harlem globetrotterish but like he says the games are real you know, the Harlem Globetrotters, I actually had a buddy play for the Washington Generals. So you know who the Washington Generals are? They're the team that lose to, loses to the Globetrotters. He was on the national tour. And he said, basically what happens is you play the first, I think the first half, there's 30, 30 actions that take place, or 30 opportunities in the beginning of the game that get the Globetrotters a huge lead. That's when they do all their antics. The rest of the game is a straight-up basketball game. And he was told, this is back in the early 90s, you know, if you, have a, if you have the shot to win, with seconds left, you shoot to win. Well, he found out how untrue that was when, with about two minutes left, he was trying to foul Globetrotters to put them on the line to force foul shots to kind of get back into the game because we were down by about eight points. We could have easily been done. And his coach yells at him, what are you doing? He looks at him and goes, I'm trying to win. Next out of bounds, my buddy was put on the bench for the rest of the game. And even though they also, like the Savannah Bananas, when they go on their world tour, they also have a team like the Washington Generals. And but their name are the Party Animals. So it's the Bananas versus the Party Animals. But, he's, but Cole will tell you that even though... They do all the little hijinks, the dancing, the guy on the stilts, a whole bunch of other things that the baseball is real. Now, so one of the things is two-hour limits for games. Also, they don't keep score like traditional baseball. You play innings. So if your team scores one run in the first and I score two, we win the inning. Team that wins the most points because you get a point for winning the inning, wins. If a foul ball goes into the stands and a fan catches it, it is an out. So think about that. Not only did you catch a foul ball that you can take home with you, which I and I do believe they reward you for it as well, but you've also participated in the outcome of that game. I mean, honestly, you could drop a ball. Because you want the bananas to win, you don't want them to catch it, so you drop it on purpose. But that is that—that's awesome. And if the game is tied, it doesn't go into extra innings. What they do is 
The defensive team sends out a catcher, a pitcher, and a fielder. The offensive team sends out a batter. And he hits the ball. You either get an out or a run. If you walk, that runner goes to sec- start to second base to get a new batter up. Again, because you either get a run or an out. Meaning that, yes, guy hits the ball down the left field line. Nowhere near the fielder. He's trying for inside the park home run to score a, a point for his team. And I guess on the, so in the first, they do three rounds. So in the first round, if it's still tied 0-0 or 1-1, the second round, there's no fielder. That means the pitcher has to chase down the ball as the guy's running the bases. In the third round, you start with the bases loaded. So I guess you can score more runs and whoever has the most at the end wins. I guess they get, I guess they keep on going around. But those are just, it's just, and there's a bunch of other different rules for the game. You can't bunt. So that's Banana Ball. But the reason I like this book and what was so inspirational behind it is Jesse Cole himself. You know, he says he comes out, he got a bright yellow tux. And he really is promoting the idea of it's okay to make yourself stand out. That's how you get noticed. The reason we're getting noticed is because we're not being held back by what other people think. We know this is good. And we know it's good because we have we put out a 20-city um, tour, and it sold out in minutes that people want to watch this. Now, he's not trying to change Major League Baseball. He doesn't isn't promoting that banana ball should be baseball. But he wants it to be entertaining. What is the goal? What, what are we trying to do? Why are we trying to fill seats? We're trying to fill seats because we want people to be entertained. They're coming to be entertained. And we're not going to entertain them by slowing down the game, by not picking up the pace. It's a very lively game. It's very different and very fun. Cole, throughout the book, often talks about how he was inspired by Walt Disney. And the big thing with Disney was the customer came first. Like, you know, he wanted the experience to be something you don't get somewhere else. And that's what Jesse Cole's fans first. What I want them to come here and know that we are catering to them. We're, we're here for their enjoyment. And we want them to walk out knowing, having an, an enjoyable experience. And I think about as a teacher, you know, I got to be honest. If I was doing things, the easiest thing I can do as a teacher will give me the least amount of work to do on a daily basis would be the lecture in question. That would take me little to no effort. I would have hardly any prep to do. I would just tell kids, take out your notebooks and write down some notes. And I could drone on for, at this point in my career, it's been over 30 years, I know my topics pretty well. I could do that every day of the school year. But that won't benefit kids. I teach middle school kids. They'd be bored out of their mind. I think as teachers, we go in, what's easiest for me? What accomplishes what I want to accomplish. What are my goals? And I get frustrated by that. You know, 
No, it's not about you. It's not about what you want to accomplish. It's about the kids. Kids first, students first, right? We're taking Jesse Cole's fans first, if it's students first. I think a lot of time I do a lot of games, a lot of simulations, a lot of fun things in class. I don't learn necessarily learn best that way. I'm an adult. I like being challenged. I like my thoughts being provoked. And I do provide that at times in my class. I have to don't get me wrong. There are times where I lecture and there are times where I question because that's helping to develop students as well. But I also teach middle school kids. There's a lot of games going on. A lot of, like we do a presidential election game. It would be a lot easier for me to explain the electoral college and how campaigns go around the states and why they go to certain states and not other states. It'd be a lot easier just to have them read some stuff and to give a lecture. Instead, they create a candidate. They choose candidates, I should say. They create a party platform. And they go around the different states campaigning and they see the electoral votes and they know that they need 270 to win and they have polls they look at to see how well they're doing in each state and they enjoy it but you know what they're doing they're learning the electoral college in a lot more fun way than me lecturing about it because it's them first it's a but i can tell you something it's a lot of work some finally somebody said it this year at the end of the year i asked my students you know for their opinion about different things in the class um advice how, how I could have done things better what things really worked and one student just asked I said how much time does it take you to do a presidential election game so I asked her in class do you mind if I ask you this question in class I want to know what you mean by like what do you what do you what, what does it mean like how much time does it take she goes well I gotta be honest Mr. Cullen when you had your polls every day based on our decisions of where we campaigned the day before and you did all you, you you shaded the map different colors so you know if we were kind of too close to call or it was like leaning our way or strongly our way or leaning our opponent's way etc it just seemed like it was a lot of work for you was it a lot of work for you and i was really touched by that i wonder how many other kids quietly realized that or did they just assume that the fun way was the easiest way because it isn't lecturing is a lot easier than putting together a game like that so they can learn and just like jesse cole's doing with baseball i think often we resort back to traditional classroom all has to be in rows all have to be quiet I think sometimes teachers hit a wall and they're saying, what are they doing wrong? What are the students doing wrong? It's because they're not putting the time in. They're not putting the effort in. That's why they're not getting the grades on the state testing we expect from them. Well, maybe it's the teacher. Maybe it's time that we need to look in a mirror and say, we're playing the game like it's been played for 100 years. What are we doing to change things up? That's what Jesse Cole said, because again, he put fans first. If we're putting students first. We have to ask ourselves, why are we doing this classroom the same way? Like that, That's my frustration. We're doing the same thing the same way. We complain about it all the time, but what are we doing to change it? Straight rows in quiet classrooms. We're teaching middle school kids. And the middle school kids today in the 21st century, in the 2020s, are vastly different than they were in the 90s, 1990s when I taught them. They, you know, the, the idea of devices, think about that. 
kids growing up, when I was growing up, there were no devices. I mean, Pong was the best video game at home that you could have. And yeah, sure, we talked on the phone if our parents or our older sister wasn't on it because we had one line. There was no answering machine. And if a friend called up while somebody was on the line, they got a busy signal. Now they're engaged in their phones and they have shorter attention spans they probably did when I was a kid that people complained about TV giving people short attention spans. So if that's the case, if the kids we are seeing today are different than the kids 30 years ago, why are we running classrooms like they were 30 years ago? I think that's one thing I'm learning from Jesse Cole here. He's looking at baseball saying, well, what can I do to make this different to engage my customers, the fans better? What are we doing as teachers saying, what are we doing in the classroom to engage our students better? Yeah, sometimes a middle school classroom needs to be a classroom where kids get to move around, they need to talk, they need to be loud, they need to cheer, and if we're, we think, no, I'm going to be the teacher that teaches them to sit still, be quiet, to sit in rows, have their hands folded, we're in for a rude awakening, and we are going to complain every single time when it doesn't happen. Now, some teachers may hear that and think that I'm advocating chaos. My classroom is more chaotic than other people's classrooms, but it doesn't mean it's out of control. I do have a greater tolerance for talking than other people do. I have a greater tolerance for kids getting up than other people do. But you know why I have a greater tolerance? It's not because I don't want I don't have good classroom management. I think people would say, no, when he wants their attention, he gets it. It's because I recognize, first and foremost, I'm teaching 7th graders. I'm not preparing kids for high school. And I know it sounds bad, but what I mean by that is, I'm teaching 12 and 13 year olds, I'm not teaching 15, 16 year olds who are very different. In a time of their life with great growth, both physically and maturity. 12 and 13 year old, uh, my middle school daughter is very different than my high school daughter. Uh, how I approach them are very different because they're at different ages. So why are we, why is the expectation is for them to be older when they're not? And I have found that students appreciate it when I reach them where they're at. When I create lessons and design lessons in a way that are to engage seventh graders, not to engage seniors in high school. If I was teaching the same course to high school seniors, yes, it would be very different but I'm not teaching seniors in high school. Students first. The other thing Jesse Cole talks about is how he wears a bright yellow tux to stand out. And he says the how important that is. One of his, one of his idols is, was Walt Disney. He read a lot about Disney and how Walt Disney would go about things, how he wanted people to have an experience that was different than anywhere else they could go. And I, I feel the same way about my classroom. I want my students, there's a sign on the wall, when it, uh, it says, right near the bathroom, sign out sheet is, and it says, if you leave now, you may miss something awesome. I really want them to think that. And there have been times where kids have come back from the bathroom and, and the class is laughing, and they're like, what happened? Oh, you missed it. I want that. I want them to feel like, hey, I'm here to teach you history, but... I want you to feel, com first first and foremost, I want you to be comfortable in my classroom. And I want you to walk in here thinking this is a different classroom. I remember I had a teacher 
who was an elementary school teacher. She, her kids were a couple years younger. They're gonna, they were gonna be in my classroom the next two years, I believe. And I was doing a professional development on games and how you can incorporate games into your, um, into your classroom. And it was for the whole district. So she came in with a bunch of other elementary school teachers, and she looked around the classroom, going, "Wow, there's all this sports memorabilia." And her sons were actually big hockey fans. They like baseball, but they're big hockey fans. Uh, but there was mostly baseball stuff in my room. And she was just like, wow, this my kids are going to love this classroom. And that's the point. I want them to see it as something different. Each classroom should have something that sets it apart from the other classrooms. There's a thing I learned in marketing called differential advantage. It's what sets you apart from other things. At least that's my understanding. What sets you apart from other things that are similar. For example, Hershey bars and Dove bars. Both chocolate bars. What sets them apart? You say Hershey's tradition, obviously. The Dove bar isn't flat. It's kind of rant, like a chunk. But it's those things that set you apart from the others. So in my classroom, I always, I've always thought about that with the classroom. What's going to make my classroom different than in another history classroom or another classroom in the whole school? And it's not because I want to stand out for standing out sake. It's because I, I think that's important for, I don't, I think it'd be a very boring factory-like existence for a child to walk into every classroom knowing what to expect. Straight low, rows, quiet, um, teachers all teaching the same way, no decorations like it's a prison, there's no posters or anything on the wall, or all the posters are very directed towards education. I always joke, like during state testing. We, we have to take down anything of educational nature that may help them on the state testing. I'm like, that's pretty easy because I have nothing of educational nature on my walls. There's nothing to tell them about verbs and nouns and pronouns or how to do formulas or how to read better. It's just mostly baseball stuff. And as a teacher, what are you doing so when your students walk in, they feel like this is different. This is something different going on here. I've had students say that to me, that they walked in realizing this is different than a classroom I've ever walked in before. And it's okay to stand out like that. I think, again, a lot of teachers are always afraid of standing out. We tend to do things all the same way because there's strength in numbers and it's hard to criticize it when everybody's doing the same thing. It's like when I get told um, we all have to be on the same page. When it comes like the discipline and things like no no we don't have to be on the same page what you're what i hear when i hear somebody say to me hey we all need to be on the same page what i'm hearing is hey cullen we don't like how you do it so you got to be like us but i can't be like you i'm not you how i run my classroom my classroom management is based on my personality what i can tolerate and i can again i, I can tolerate a lot more talking than most people. And if you can't, that's fine. I have no I have no problem. I'm never going to tell you, you need to be like me. You need to be yourself. What makes you stand out? What can you do to your classroom within your personality, your strengths and your weaknesses that can draw kids in when you're putting them first? I can't be you. You can't be me. If you want to incorporate some of the ideas... That's great. Go for it. I'm not going to, you know, imitation is flattery. But I'm not going to tell you you have to. You know, I teach with another 7th grade teacher. I'm the main 7th grade teacher, but I can't teach all the kids. So she typically gets one or two 
sections of seventh grade history. Same curriculum. She goes about teaching it in a different way. I would hate, hate, and I hate, I know states are like this, where they tell you what you have to teach in what order, rather than allow the teacher's expertise, their personality, their strengths, their weaknesses, to, and also the collection of kids that they have to create the lessons that they know will best engage those students they have in front of them. I've never told, and this teacher's very, she's a young teacher, uh, maybe now five or six years in, I'm near, I'm over 30. I have never walked into her room once and said, hey, you're, do, you're teaching that wrong, or hey, here's how I approach teaching this part of the curriculum. I have never said that. Never would I. And I know she's a great teacher because the students who had her in sixth grade, because she's mainly a sixth grade teacher, tell me, I'm going to leave her alone. Now, if she comes to me for advice, I'd be, I'd be willing to share it. I've gone to her and said, hey, what, hey, you dealt with this student last year, what do you think? I mean, we can both learn from each other, but I don't expect her to be like me or to teach the curriculum exactly the same way as me. That whole thing is always joke about is, you know, we always claim diversity, 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 but yet there would be people who, who would be slamming right me right now be saying, oh, you and that seventh grade teacher should be teaching the same thing every day, that you should be sharing lesson plans. And if you're a teacher listening and you're saying to yourself, no, you need to do the same lesson plan every day. You need to be on that same page with each other, doing the exact same thing. But yet you take another breath and you say, diversity is our strength. We must teach diversity. You're a hypocrite. Because what you're saying is that it only works if this young teacher who was born several decades after me, who has different life experiences, different strength and weakness, should be teaching the exact way as me old fuddy-duddy does. Where's the diversity? I'm a male, she's a female. I was born in the late 60s, she was probably born in the 80s. But if diversity is so important, then you can't turn around and say, no, we all have to think the same, we all have to learn the same, we all have to prepare the same lessons, same, 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 same. So I was inspired, I was thinking to myself, what can I do in the classroom this year? Even after 30 years in, what can I do different? What can I bring to the table that will engage kids more into the content, into the stuff of history that I think is important for them to understand the world around them? And like I said, it, it's been rough. Last year was rough because I heard about, I heard the same old things I was hearing before COVID. Nothing changes. Nobody wants to change. But I'm going to change. Within the four walls of my classroom, there's going to be change. And I think the year that I finally say that I'm too tired, I've run out of ideas, or I don't want to change. I think I've often told people that's the year I, I'm going to retire. And it's a good feeling knowing that I'm going into this next school year, into the 23, 24 school year. And I've been inspired by a guy who wears a yellow tux. I'm going to leave you with this. And I do I highly recommend if you're going to read Banana Ball, I would say don't read it. Go on Audible download the audiobook. I mean, you're listening to a podcast, so listening to audiobook isn't much different. And that way you can hear, hear the passion that Jesse Cole has for this idea called Banana Ball. And I'm going to leave you with a quote by Jesse Cole. And here it is. Find the best version of yourself, the one thing that makes you stand out, and amplify it. Thank you for joining me on the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, 
please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parenting. If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, a good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students, their children, deeply.